eventually create seven different cigars, one for each capital sin, and our first capital sin was lust. So we were trying to create a cigar that once you smoked it, it would make you want to smoke it again. And, um, you know, so we, we kept playing with different blends and different sizes, and then we, we came up with this one. Um, we actually uh, tried to copy the same size as your uh, Hika 56, which, you know, 56 by 6.5, so it's the exact same size. Um, because when we tried a bunch of different sizes, this is like about an hour and 45 minute smoke. Um, and you know, it's, it, it's not too, too strong. It's not too light. We, we tried to come up with something that, um, even a first timer that picks up this cigar is not going to have any trouble smoking. And, uh, we're actually quite surprised that a lot of our, our smokers are first time women. Um, uh, women seem to enjoy the cigar, which is great because it sort of plays with the whole lust thing. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Now, now why start with lust? just because you want it to be the driving force and whoever wanting another, or was there another reason to kicking it off with the lust? So we tried, we tried a, a bunch of different cigars um, when we were creating this cigar. And if we made it too strong, we thought that, you know, people would get put off by the cigar because not a lot of people like a strong cigar. And so we, we found that that was sort of like the perfect blend for, for anybody to pick up the cigar and smoke. Um, you know, like I said, we, we, we try to make it very even uh and, and it, the flavor profile stays from the beginning to the end of the cigar so it, it like some cigars tend to get a lot stronger towards the end this one tends not to do that uh, or not too strong which is which is good so we, we tried to continue to have that consistency throughout the smoke yeah i i could say it's definitely what you would call front loaded <clears throat> the pipe the, the pepper spices that you have are way more in the first third it kind of just smooths out it doesn't get boring it doesn't get <clears throat> muted or anything but it does kind of ease itself into kind of like a, a long smoke that's a long smoke yes yeah, so, so it was you know it's funny that you say that because so we if you think of it like sex you sort of ease out towards the end and that's what exactly what we tried to do with the cigar so you know we tried to be very true to the <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know it it, it it's strong when you when you start sort of like you're all excited and fall into it and then you know starts to taper off at the end when when you finally get done <laughs> right. so, so the follow-up to this would be the sandwich uh, <laughs> um no the, the follow-up to the next thing that we're looking to do is actually going to be it, it, we're actually going to make one called envy and um we're looking at uh uh, also another cigar from Nicaragua, um, possibly a Solomon uh, size, um, and the one that we've we've been like we've been tasting a bunch of different samples now. Um, you're going to be, I, I'm sure you're going to be very impressed with that one as well. But the next cigar that we're launching, it's a shorty. This is um, 60 by four or four and a half um, from Nicaragua, and um, we're going to call it Magnus King. So I don't know if uh, on Instagram if you guys noticed that I had a lighter with a bulldog and a crown and a and a cigar. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, an English bulldog, and they're sort of short and fat. So we try to theme our cigars and make them true to whatever we feel. Um, and so that's going to be the next cigar that we launch, and it's going to be something a little bit different because it's going to let us really work on uh, envy because that's going to take a little bit of time to get the right size and the right blend together. Okay. Um, so. 
it, it, you know, people, a lot of times people think that, you know, if you come up with a blend and it's real easy, it, it actually takes a lot of time to come up with something really good. Um, and we're test, we're constantly testing different leaves from different farms and, um, different blends just to try to get the cigar just right. Um, you know, as a new company, it's kind of hard if you mess up the first time, so we try not to mess up. So let me, let me ask you this, uh, envy is next. This is lust. There's a five after that. Do you have any kind of a time frame for the entire project? Not yet. Um, you know, we, we try to launch it and then give the cigar enough time to market it and get people to try it. This being our first cigar, it took a little bit longer because nobody knew what a cost of cigars was. Um, and, you know, we were making sure that uh, we have uh, enough cigars out there to taste and we were trying to get the brand out. Um, so they might go a little bit faster, a little bit slower. It, it really depends on uh, what, also what's going on with COVID. So, you know, when we, when we did this, this cigar, we had flown down to Nicaragua and then COVID hit and everything sort of stopped for us. And, you know, the factories that we were working with closed in Nicaragua and we couldn't, we couldn't get anything done. And then as they started to open, you know, we were able to quickly get the cigar out because we didn't know how long the, the market was going to be closed and what was happening there and what was happening here with, with this whole COVID. So uh, uh, it really depends uh, what, you know, it might go faster, it might go slower, but we, we want to give each cigar enough time um, so we don't uh, sort of, you know, bastardize a cigar and come up with one every three months or something like that. Right, right. You don't want it, you, you don't want a part of your portfolio to potentially cannibalize another part. Yeah. So how do you know when it's time looking down the road? It, you know, it really look, depends on, on um, you know, once we get the name out there and, and people are start asking for the cigar, we know that we don't have to continue to push that cigar. We can sort of go on the next cigar because that that this initial cigar, for example, has enough pull. So right now we're we're working up a, a deal with a distributor where we're going to be out in a bunch of stores here in New York and out of Florida. We're going to get a bunch of stores down in Puerto Rico um, that are signing up as well. So now we know that we can now push a second cigar and then hopefully that's a nice big hit as well and, and we can go down the third and fourth and and so on and so forth okay so again this is one of seven you've mentioned another one that's going to be an outlier to the theme yes. that's a big portfolio that you're looking at uh, where would this fall in that portfolio is in terms of strength in terms of flavor is this um, going to be indicative of the others? Is there going to be a milder one? What, what do you? What are your thoughts on that? So there's definitely going to be milder, and there's going to be stronger. I mean, I'll, there are some people that ask us for a stronger cigar. They want, you know, they're asking for something that, uh, uh, like a Dole Vigero, where it's it's really really strong. Um, the Mac is King is going to be a little bit stronger than the one you're smoking now, La Lujuria. Okay. Um, the other thing that we, we plan on doing with the cigar is, you know, with Lujuria, it's going to come out of different sizes as well. So we're looking oh. to make uh, a smaller version of that. Maybe we make a shorty of that as well. Uh, maybe we come up with like a, a Churchill or, or other sizes um, because not a lot of people like the larger gauge. So we want to take into account the people that like a smaller cigar. Gotcha. You want to hit everybody possible. I, I do find it funny that we left laying there. We were all very adult about it, but I do find it funny that 
women seem to gravitate toward the large, dark offering. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> Anyone? You know, I could be as awkward as anybody. I will silently pause, pregnantly, if you will, for quite some time. But I, but not. Nah, I, I digress. Let's move on. Something you do that I'm interested in, and that I'm seeing more and more of, is Puerto Rican leaf. Yes. You mentioned Puerto Rico. Um, for whatever reason, you know, with what I do, I get a lot of samples. And as early as six months ago, I didn't get anything Puerto Rican. And now I'm not getting a lot. I'm not going to say that, but it's becoming a blip on the radar yeah. is Puerto Rican leaf. And is there a reason for that? Yeah, you're, you're actually going to see a lot more coming out of Puerto Rico. Um, they have a, a very strong cigar culture in Puerto Rico, and it sort of died out in the 20s when cigarettes were introduced, and cigars sort of took a back seat. But there's a, a, a reawakening tobacco in Puerto Rico, and there's a lot of um, uh, Puerto Rican rollers that are coming out with some interesting blends. Um, the other thing that's coming back is uh, the actual growing of Puerto Rican tobacco. So before the 20s, there was uh, a big export of Puerto Rican tobacco, um, and they would actually export to Cuba. And uh, that died out. And so right now, uh, we have a grow going with my partner. We, we acquired some land in Puerto Rico, and we actually have a farm, and we're trying to see what, right now we're trying to see what seeds grow best. So we have a bunch of different uh, uh, tobacco like Criollo, Habano, um, uh, we, we're trying some blends from up here. So we have some Connecticut, some Pennsylvania, and we're trying to see what grows best there. Uh, right now, our, the Criollo is, is doing amazing. I've posted some pictures from the farm. I actually posted some yesterday that they took. Um, and, uh, you know, once we have a seed bank, the plan is to plant about 44,000 to 45,000 plants of tobacco. Wow. And, and um, sort of also make it touristy and, and educational where people can come down and see what a tobacco plant looks like, see what the whole process from the moment you feed into the ground, the, the picking of the leaves, the drying, the fermenting, and then the actual rolling of the cigar. And, you know, a lot of people see that live and then actually try it, you know, and, 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 it's, and hopefully we have some really interesting um, tobacco coming from there. So. Now, what people, I'm going to assume they're not as familiar with Puerto Rican leaf as, say, Nicaraguan, say, Dominican. Uh, can you speak to the characteristics of Puerto Rican leaf? So here's the interesting thing. So they used to produce what was considered the best uh, leaf for a wrapper before the 20s. And that's why it was exported into Cuba. Um, if I remember correctly, it's called Capaprieta. The, the leaf that they were using, um, but it sort of disappeared. So you can find it in a lot of uh, books and, and different documents, but you, you can't find a picture of the leaf. And, um, you know, we were searching for it, and then we got a phone call that there was a little old man that apparently had some, some of these uh, in his backyard. He was growing for his own cigars, and we were able to ask him to see if we can get a bunch of seeds. Um, you know, you can get about a thousand seeds per plant. Uh, there are these tiny little black seeds, and he, he, he was like, go at it. Take all the seeds you want. <laughs> you know, we picked him dry and, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, at home, like, you know, we've discovered the gold, you know, gold that 
at the end of the rainbow. And um, so now we got to try and, and plant it and see if we can actually get a commercial grow from it. Now, what do you mean by commercial grow to be exact? So there's a lot of, so there, so in Puerto Rico, there isn't really a, a commercial growth. So you have people growing, you know, 10 plants or 100, 100 plants or some small amount, but that only produces a number of cigars. So if you're going to do something like a very limited edition, that's great. Um, but we're trying to do something where we can continuously grow and, and, and have uh, tobacco to, to actually come up with a 100% uh, Puerto Rican cigar. And we think it's possible, um, but, you know, it's, it's very ambitious to try to do that. So... Um, we have we have a really big challenge ahead of us. Now, the, the, that kind of begs the question, and there's a question that somebody's asking in the thread here that I'll try to remember to get to, but the difficulty behind this pursuit kind of begs why. Why do you want to do this with the Puerto Rican leaf? We think that they have the perfect... Um, the perfect environment to produce an amazing leaf. And if back then they were able to reproduce something that good that they were exporting into Cuba, uh, we want to see if we can do it again. Um, you know, and, and so uh, Delvis, who's my partner, um, he's Cuban and, and he's been doing this uh, for very, many, many years. Um, we think we can do it. So we're trying, you know, really hard now that we, we have a copy, of, we have some seeds, um, as well as some other tobacco because. Uh, Santa Isabel, which is where the farm is, is some of the most fertile land in all of Puerto Rico. And so we're hoping to get something really good and, and something different because, you know, there's a, a million Dominican cigars, a million cigars from Nicaragua and Honduras and all the other places that have tobacco. But, you know, how many cigars do you know that have 100% Puerto Rican tobacco? None yet. So that's what we're trying to do. So we... So, for example, on the shorty that we're doing that had uh, some of the Nicaragua uh, tobacco, we actually were able to get some leaves. Um, I believe the binder is Puerto Rican uh, on that cigar from a grow that Delvis, who's my partner, had a couple years ago, and, and now the, red, the leaves are ready to be used. Um, they're not ready for uh, anything else, but we think that we're going to be able to get a really distinct flavor from it, and we, we've given out a bunch of cigars to test the market and see what people think. And, and the feedback that we're getting is, is really, really great feedback. Now, what is that distinct flavor? It's just something different. It's something like that people are not getting from other cigars. And, um, you know, we can do it as a very limited amount right now. And that's why we want to pull out that cigar. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll try What he did was he planted some uh, Cuban criollo using uh, Cuban seeds that he brought back from Cuba. And we planted them in Puerto Rico and um, made it great. And now he was able to dry them and ferment them. And um, it, it's it's something different. And you you know you can take the same seed um, and plant it in three different places because of the minerals and the environment. You're going to get different tastes and different flavor profiles. So this is something a little bit different than people are used to. Um, and you know once uh, that comes out, I'll, you know I'll definitely send some out to you guys and, and you can help me. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think you went a long way in answering the question I alluded to that was from Cigar Underscore Selections, asking how are you replicating the environment in so, Puerto Rico? Yes. So the the, the ground is not very fertile. The, the biggest difference with Puerto Rico and Cuba is the humidity. So we don't, in, in Santa Isabel, it's very, very hot. 
And so what we notice is that we constantly have to water their plants. And if we don't water plants very often, they start to uh, shrivel up and um, look so good. And then we have to overwater to compensate for the missing water. And so okay. right now, we, we, we only we planted about a thousand seeds to try to get um, and, and see what works. And so we planted, like I said, we planted some Criollo, we planted um, some Pennsylvania, some Connecticut. Uh, we have some Habano. Uh, we had some seeds from uh, Dominican Republic called Dolor. They didn't actually do very well for us. Um, so we're trying to figure out like how, what's going to work there. And, and it's sort of a, a learning process and with only a thousand seeds, we can sort of play around and um, see what works and what doesn't, and then what works. You know, we'll give us enough seeds for a seed bank so that we can actually do a grow. That's really interesting. And thank you for the question, Cigar underscore selections. And speaking of questions, Phil, you're sitting there all somewhat handsome. Um, (laughs) Do you have any questions for our, I suppose, guest? Yeah, you covered a lot of the technical aspects. I was just curious about the, the Vitola, because right now the La Luguria is just one Vitola, and then will the Envy, that, the plan for that, I'm guessing, is just one Vitola as well, starting out? Yes, yeah, so it's, it was one of the Vitola starting out because, you know, I mean, we, we funded our own cigar, and it, get, it sort of gets expensive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know, it was either I was going to have a, I was going to be able to sell this, or um, I was going to have a lot of cigars to smoke. And um, and so yeah, so we're we're definitely going to do other midolas, um, but we're we're playing around with which sizes we're going to do. If we're going to go up to sixty, for example, or we're going to go down to fifty-four. Maybe we do a Churchill. Maybe we do something else. Maybe we do a um, uh, you know a figurado of some sort. So right now we're playing with all that and, and trying to see we, you know that we don't kill the flavor profile too much with with the size of the cigar. Or make it too overbearing when nobody wants to smoke it. Right, right. Now, now, so basically, what you're doing with the Puerto Rican leaf is you're not not to keep hitting on that, but that's interesting to me. Is you're introducing it to people, and I know people always, and Phil and I talk about this. People always say they want something new, and it often doesn't prove to be the case. And I was wondering if you have ever had somewhat of an uphill struggle trying to get people to even try a new leaf, or, or is your experience different and people are just all about like, oh, something new, this is... So so when people, so I've never had anybody turn a cigar down, um, usually if you want to give them that... Well, uh, free cigar is everyone's favorite. Ah, and um, it's, I mean, if, if it's done well, I don't think that you're going to have a really bad experience. You are going to get people that are going to be very doubtful of what you do. Um, but we're not working alone. I mean, we, we have a lot of people with a lot of experience that are helping out. And, you know, we've tried to pull all our network together to say, hey, you know, how do I how, how do I better this and how do I fix this? And we have a lot of people that are, that are actually helping us in this project. Um, and that's why it's going a long way. And that's why also, like, Lujuria took a while to come out. It, it, it took over two years to, for us to... Wow, actually, wow. the moment that we started discussing it to, for it to being uh, built and, and um, you know, go to market, it, it took two years. And, uh, you know, we, we tried really hard, everything from designing the box to the label. I mean, it was all us. You know, we, we don't have a, a, 
marketing firms that we work with that design our, our boxes and, you know, design these logo. It, it literally was like, all right, this is what I think I want to do. And this is what, you know, we're sitting with pen and paper trying to come up with things. And same thing with the tobacco. We're sitting in, in, in a tobacco factory in Nicaragua just trying a bunch of different uh, types of tobacco, make, making different blends to figure out what is a really good blend. Now, you mentioned sitting in a factory in Nicaragua. And you mentioned, of course, we've been talking all about the Puerto Rican leaf and trying to even make a Puerto Rican Puro. And <clears throat> some people think part of a Puro is it's not just enough all the components come from an area, but it has to be rolled there as well. And I was wondering if you have any designs maybe on bringing a factory into Puerto Rico and setting up shop that way there. <laughs> I'd love to, but so so there's a, a tax in Puerto Rico that makes things really impossible. So for every pound, I, I believe it's every pound of tobacco, it's like a $75 charge. So if you're in a factory where you're going to import thousands and thousands of pounds of tobacco, your cigars get really expensive even before you make them. And so that's the biggest challenge with trying to make a commercial factory. Because there's a lot of little factories in Puerto Rico, but it's really difficult. To make a really large factory because um, you have to import a ton of this tobacco, and if, if the taxes aren't in your favor, it's, it becomes impossible. Um, it's it's just cost prohibitive because then I'm going to tell you, oh yeah, this what should be a ten dollar cigar is now a seventy five dollar cigar because I have taxes, and you're going to look at me like it better be a really good cigar. <laughs> right, 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 right. And, and so. That's where that's where the challenge starts to play, and what some people don't see is, you know, there's a lot of things at, in the back end that you don't see on the uh, on the cigar business side, which is one of the big things is taxes, and and so, you know, can can we import a ton of tobacco into Puerto Rico? Sure, but how much is that going to cost us? And you know, and and also in Puerto Rico, you you, you know, we would have to pay in dollars for somebody to roll cigars, and so how what's that going to and, and so then you start to add all these costs and sometimes it becomes cost prohibitive. So does it make right. more sense to open a factory in like DR, for example? Does it make more sense to open a factory in Nicaragua? Or does it make sense to work with a factory that, you know, that we're good with, we're friendly with, and sit in their factory and say, okay, produce these cigars, charges and overhead, and just send us to cigars because, you know, at the end of the day, they have all the staff and they're already making cigars. So the first time when we, when we sat down is, you know, Delvis sat, sat down with their cigar makers and said, I want this cigar made this specific way. And so he, he rolled the way that he was taught in Cuba, and, and that's how he expects it. And so he takes, you know, care of that side of the business because he's, he's our, you know, tobacco guru. Uh, right. It, it, it is heartening to hear that there are factories there because that speaks to the culture there being in place. Oh, yeah. There's there's tons of, of small factories and, and some of them actually produce some some good cigars um, you know and they they sell them in, in local markets and uh, you know local shops and, and, and things like that and, and you know they're trying but it's it's it, it gets really difficult with the taxes and all the licensing and everything else that you need to in order to uh, set up a company and you know the, a lot of these companies are self funded so if you don't have the funds or if you don't have somebody to back you up it's it's difficult. The problem then becomes, can you scale? If you hit on a good cigar, can you scale up? And exactly. that's what, for us, it makes sense to work with some of the larger factories because 
if somebody says, hey, can I get a thousand cigars? Sure. And if somebody comes to me tomorrow and says, hey, can I get a hundred thousand cigars? Sure. You know, then all I have to do is make a phone call and they have enough rollers for me to get a hundred thousand cigars in, in a short amount of time. When if you have your own small factory, you might not be able to produce that because you don't have the, the manpower to do it. Um, you know, the, most rollers uh, on a high end roll up to 500 cigars a day. But you, you, you start then to look at quality. So the, your, your better factories will let their rollers roll three or 400 cigars a day but maintain much better quality. They're more strict on the quality control, but then you're never going to get to that 100,000, you know, like say in a week or two weeks because they're producing less cigars at a higher quality. Gotcha. And again, Phil, do you have any questions for our guest here? Yeah, no, that it, it's, it's very interesting. Um, bringing Puerto Rico into it, I think that's that's very interesting. You guys are taking that uh, that angle and then all this stuff, and Tommy's like with taxes and stuff like that. It's interesting to hear those challenges that, that come from your side of it. So I dig that. Interesting. And, and, and it also helps that Delvis, my partner, he lives in Puerto Rico. So, you know, he's, oh, okay. he, he's down there, and um, so he sees the cigar culture there every day. And, and from, you know, he's been there now for about five years and, and he, you know, we, we see the growth and, you know, the popularity starting to grow and you see more and more people buying cigars and, and you know, um, like I said, there's a lot of little factories more on the artisanal side um, making these right. cigars and, and they're great, you know, and they're trying new things themselves, you know, before you didn't see a, a Candela wrapper and now there's a couple guys down there that make a great Candela cigar and, you have a, a couple guys trying with, you know, the barber poles and then and all the different uh, uh, Vitolas, and they're making them down there, and, and, and they're great, you know. Um, and, you know, we're going to continue to see, I think, uh, a growth in that culture down there. And who knows, maybe someday we get a 100%, uh, you know, Puerto Rican tobacco uh, commercial-grade cigar. Yeah, and uh, like I said, it's it's become it seems to be trying to become a thing. Like I say, I'm seeing it more and more. Or I'm seeing it at all, whereas before I haven't seen it. And I'm wondering how bitter, Jesse, you're gonna be when everybody's on Puerto Rico leaf and you're sitting there going, "Wait, guys, that was me." We'll we'll, we'll be on the next thing, you know. We, we, we... <laughs> We're looking at other stuff as well. You know, we're just not staying stuck on Puerto Rico. We're 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 gonna we'll test some things in other really cool places that uh, you know we'll let people know and later on when uh, when it's time. And so we we we're always trying to innovate. And you know that's the cool thing about being a small company that you know we don't have to really ask anybody else permission to try something. We can just go ahead and try it. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't work, then you know don't say anything. <laughs> uh, and, and and Phil, you're 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 a married man. This might not have any meaning to you to be able to do something without asking permission. But um, believe me, it's nice. No, yeah. I'm married too. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I I'm married. So here's the funny thing. So when we did Luria, my wife had no idea I was doing it. I like told her, yeah, I'm speaking to different uh, um, shipping companies. She's like, what are you doing? And we're like, oh, we're going to import these cigars because we're in the cigar business now. And she was like. You smoke cigars. What the hell do you know about cigar? You know, the cigar. You know, like she'd know all the things that I was doing, and then, um, you know, now we're in the cigar business, and she was actually quite surprised when people were like, "This is a really good cigar." <laughs> and she surprised. Was like, okay, so that's a recurring theme, also. 
with the, the, with the women in our lives being surprised at any amount of success we stumble upon accidentally, apparently. Yeah, because yeah. They, well, they know, they know the idiots. The new kind of <laughs> So, Jesse, I had you a while on here. Um, thanks to everybody for watching. But before I let you go, um, well, two things before I let you go. If there's anything you didn't cover that you want to cover, feel free to grab the microphone, so to speak, and say your piece. And after that, or in lieu of that, let everybody know where they could find you, your brand. Sure. So um, I, I definitely invite everybody to come to our website and take a look at uh, www.acostacigars.com or follow us on Instagram at Acosta Cigars. We're constantly posting. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Um, and like I said, look, keep a lookout for uh, Mac is King. That's coming up soon. Uh, we just finalized the ring. We finalized, uh, you know, the the, uh, the blend. And so um, that should start coming out to market shortly. And um uh, and then we're gonna start launching in a bunch of stores that we're gonna put on the on our website, so you'll be able to get it in a bunch of different retails here in uh, in New York. We have we got we just I just got off the phone call before I got on here. Uh, we're gonna be out in, in Florida in one of the shops up there, uh, possibly uh, in Connecticut, a bunch of shops here in New York, um, and in Puerto Rico we're we're uh, trying to expand our the amount of shops that we're in down there. So uh, you know, keep a lookout. Yeah, definitely, and I'd say it's it's it warrants being looked out for. Excellent cigar, and um, again, highly rated by me for what that's worth. Uh, what might be worth more, highly rated by Phil Carute. And uh, I thank you again for your time, Jesse. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, take care. All right, bye. -bye. Amazing. I, I didn't like that one. I didn't like that one.